Pastor Xavier Reese provides the why God chooses who He does. God has chosen you sovereignly of His own choice, not because He didn't have a better choice. Please understand that. God values you individually like you will never value yourself. You heard His word and you responded. You came to Him. Jesus has chosen you as He chose the twelve for a purpose. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. When it came to choosing the Twelve Apostles, you might think Jesus was looking for the best examples of faith He could find, right? But then again, just after the crucifixion, those that walked and talked with Him were all hiding in fear, some questioning and even denying their Lord. So what is it then that God looks for in those that choose to follow Him? Well, Pastor Xavier provides the answer today in a simple truth study of Mark chapter 3, titled Choosing of the Twelve. Let's listen. Our Lord's ministry has received considerable recognition as well as opposition, and the time has come for Christ to choose His twelve apostles. The interesting thing, as I note, as I just studied this chapter, and this passage just kind of jumped out at me, that how often we ourselves we have our own preconceived ideas as to how God chooses men, why He chooses them, and who He chooses. And we usually can identify those things by finding men that fit our preconceived ideas. But when we put our preconceived ideas and we put them next to Scripture, too often they break down. Because you and I usually look to others and those who are profound in speaking and we say, well, you know, I can see why God chose him. I can see why God chose her. You see somebody on fire and they're out there witnessing and they just bring a carload to church every Sunday and, and, and you drive up in your van and you're all alone and you say, huh. And we start formulating and putting people into little boxes, little groups, and, and then tragically we carry those things over to how God sees and does things. And without knowing it, we start building fences and limitations to the things that God would desire to do in our life. Oh, that we may be reminded of that and always go back to the scriptures. Like I tell people, this is your sifter. You put everything in it. Whatever falls through, eat. The junk that stays on top, grab it and throw it out. We must compare everything to Scripture. And so here in this passage from verses 13 on down to 19, we're going to see some things about how God chooses men. And we're going to see how many of our preconceived ideas are really going to break down this morning. And hopefully we will be more open for God to use us and for God to reach others. Verse 13 says, And he went up on the mountain and called to him those he himself wanted, and they came to him. Then he appointed twelve that they might be with him, and that he might send them out to preach, and to have power to heal sickness and to cast out demons. Simon, to whom he gave the name or the surname Peter, James, a son 
of Zebedee and John, the brother of James, to whom he gave the name Bonerges, that is, sons of thunder. Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. That's quite a list. The first thing I want to call your attention to is in verse 13. Jesus chose the twelve sovereignly. Jesus chose the twelve sovereignly. Now, this is the how God chooses men and women. He chooses us sovereignly. Notice that it says he chose those he himself wanted. Jesus was not bound by anything or anyone in his choosing. He was not doing it out of some checklist that he was looking for. You and I sometimes go out and buy a car and we say we, we have it in our mind, I want this year, I want this model, I want this color. So we go to the dealer and we say, well, do you have this car? I say, oh, sorry, Mr. Reeves, we don't. But we do have a blue, a black, and a yellow. And then often I make my choice out of what is available. Don't ever put that kind of limitation upon God. God is not limited in His choice. His choice is according to His sovereignty. Sovereignty is the right to do as God pleases to His creation. When He pleases, to who He pleases, as He pleases. In the book of Daniel, when he was dealing with Nebuchadnezzar, and he says that he's the God who rules in heavens, the, the captain of the host of the armies there, and he does as he wills on heaven and earth, and no one can say to him, hey, what are you doing? He does as he wills, and he's not limited by any person, place, or thing. Now often we say, that's tremendous freedom. But we confuse freedom with sovereignty. Our desire would be to have the choice to choose anything we want to whoever we want, whenever we want. And we say that's freedom. No, that isn't. Because true freedom cannot be exercised unless you have the wisdom and the knowledge to make the right decisions. We don't always have that. But God is perfect in wisdom, perfect in knowledge. He can't make mistakes. So, in his sovereignty, he really fulfills absolute, total, pure freedom. He's not bound by anything. Now, though we can understand those things and those parameters, that's as far as we can understand it. So, he's sovereign. He does as he wills to who he wills. Now, you and I, we're going to play baseball and we start choosing sides and I see that you're getting the best of me on on, on choosing teams. I said, well, that's not fair. You got John, you got Jeff, and, you know, they can hit it over the fence, and these guys, they're wimps. They can, you know. But we can't say that to God. Because you know what? God only chooses winners. There's no losers in the kingdom of God. And yet how often, because of life situations and circumstances, we look at ourselves and we think we're losers. But that's not the way God sees us. Now Luke 6, 12 tells us that Jesus spent the entire night in prayer before making this decision. 
What a tremendous teaching for us. That anything that we would do, any choices we make, especially when it comes to choosing a, a, a mate for life, especially when it comes to where I'm going to work, uh, where I'm going to live, uh, where am I going to fellowship, uh, who am I going to hang out, that we should submit all that to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. That He may sovereignly choose those places for us because we no longer belong to ourselves, but we belong to Jesus Christ. I mean, let's face it, when we were in the world, we called our own shots. We did what we wanted to. We weren't where we wanted to. We said as we wanted to. But now that we've come to Christ by a sovereign choosing, we really don't belong to ourselves any longer. But notice, secondly, that He chose the twelve by calling them. Their calling was based on their predestination and election, which is based on God's foreknowledge. Now here we run again into some problems because we can only understand that to a limited way. Foreknowledge means that God knew everything before it happened. But be careful that you don't bring God down to just a superhuman ability. And then you say, well, he... He sovereignly chose and he called him or her because he knew what they were going to do. So therefore his choice was based on the response. No. That would be limiting God. He just chose. He chose because he wanted to. And yet here we come to this seeming paradox and contradiction where we have a call which is based on predestination or election. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3 and 4 says that we were predestined before the foundation of the world. We were chosen in the adopted son. In him we're adopted in the son, in the beloved. 1 Peter 1, 2 says that we were elected. Well, how do you reconcile that? You don't. I sure can if you figure it out. Come and tell me. It's been said those are two parallel lines that never meet on this side of eternity. Once we get there, we'll say, oh, now I understand. But not now. Peter said in Acts 2.23 that God, from the predetermined counsel and foreknowledge of God, He crucified His Son. Stop and think about that. Before the foundation of the world, before Adam was there, before sin came in, before the rebellion of Satan, God had already in mind. In Romans 8, He says those He predestined then he called and those he called he glorified there you have again a seeming contradiction a seeming paradox he talks about things in the future as if they already have happened how can that be because with God is no problem he lives in an eternal present we are limited and bound by time he is limitless he is boundless and so he can look at your physical birth your spiritual birth your entire life your physical death, your glorification, and a trillion years into the millennial kingdom, into the eternal heavens that will be with him right now. You say, oh, X, that's dumb. Oh, is it? Now, we just had the parade. We have it every year out here. And if you were here on the corner of Grand Oaks in Colorado, you know, the parade started about 8 o'clock, but it didn't get here till quarter to 10. And so you're here in the corner looking at the parade, and you're saying, well, you know, it should be coming around the corner pretty soon. But the parade started almost two hours before. And you're bound by the time and the location from which you are standing at. There's another guy up in the Goodyear blimp. He sees the beginning. As the parade goes on, he sees the beginning, he sees the middle, and he sees the end. All at one time. 
And he's got a walkie-talkie up there, and he says, hey, I can see the end, the middle, and the beginning. And you say, you're crazy. What are you talking about? It all depends on your point of perspective. Where are you viewing it from? We're so limited. We're so bound. But not for God. And so when we get into the area of predestination and election, the two words that we find in Scripture, and how that works with His sovereignty, I don't know. But notice that He chose the twelve by knowing their choice and honoring their choice. They came to Him, it says, verse 13. Now, it doesn't make much sense for me to choose somebody who I know is not going to choose me. On the human standpoint. Now, God knows everything. Though he doesn't make his choice based on the choice that that person is going to make. He is beyond that. If I would not make a choice based on knowing that they're not going to want to be chosen, would I want to attribute that to God? No, never. And so as he called them and they exercised their free will, it only confirmed God's sovereign choice and their predestination. And here we come again to a paradox. Now, anytime you go to any extreme, you're going to be wrong. Anytime you carry predestination and election to such an extreme where you say, if you're going to be saved, you're going to be saved, then where's your incentive for preaching to the lost? Where does your part in the church come in? If you say if you're predestined and elected, it doesn't matter what happens in your life, you're saved. Then you've got some problems if a person's not living according to the light. Now, if you go to the other extreme and you say, well, I chose God. Then you have to go to the gospel of John where he says, you didn't choose me, but I chose you. You see, any extreme is going to put you off. And yet, he chose sovereignly, he called, and I responded. I don't have any problems with that. Some people do. God's sovereignty is illustrated by the life of Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter 1. He says, Jeremiah, I knew you before you were in your mother's womb. He didn't say, I knew you when you were in there in the water sack. He says, I knew you before you got there. That's kind of neat knowledge to have. You and I don't have it. We never will. To what extent we will have it when we get with the Lord? I don't know. God forces no one to come, yet no one can come except he's drawn by the Father, the Scriptures declare. God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance, 2 Peter 3.19 says, or 3.9. Then you say, well, maybe I don't want to come. Well, God will honor your choice. You don't want to come, don't come. He said, well, that's not fair. I want to go to heaven, then come. Well, what if I'm not predestined? Well, you'll never know unless you come, will you? Well, what if I come and I don't want to? Well, you don't have to stay. How does that work? I don't know. I know one thing. There won't be one person in heaven griping, saying, oh, I didn't want to be here. I can't believe, Lord, you predestined me and I don't want to be here. 
On the other hand, there will never be no one in heaven say, yes, yes, I chose the Lord. Hey, I ain't no fool. I know where it was best. No one. God has chosen you sovereignly of his own choice, not because he didn't have a better choice. Please understand that. God values you individually like you will never value yourself. His value is because he's creator. The value you and I put to ourselves is because we're in love with ourselves. Your love is only legitimate as it is extended to others. That's God's love. He didn't choose you sovereignly because you were so righteous. He chose you because you were a sinner. Short of the glory of God. Unable to save yourself. Unable to do the will of God. He saw you hurting. He saw you empty. He saw me the same way. It points to his compassion. Not because you were so talented. How often we look at people and we say, well, you know, man, look how he plays the guitar. Look how he, he sings. Look how he preaches. Look how... No. God is not out there saying, come on, I, I, I've got to get the best, you know, because, you know, Lucifer might get him and, and then I'll be in bad shape. No. No. And yet God has made you and I so peculiar, so different, so individualistic that in all the components of my personality, of my character traits and, and the abilities and talents that he's allowed me to, to be able to experience, unless they are given to God, they will be ineffective for the kingdom of God. When he breathes life into me, then they become alive for his glory. No one can take my place. I can be replaced, but no one can take my place. You can be replaced, but no one can take your place. You're unique. You know, if we would grab a hold of that, we wouldn't fall prey to all the false advertisement of today in Christianity about depression and low self-esteem and everything else. Do you know that you're a son and a daughter of God? Remember how you felt when you wanted to hang around with that popular guy or girl on the block? And when you got to hang out with them, you went and told everybody and you felt so good? Well, you hang out with God, man. When's the last time you told somebody about him? How do you feel? You see, something doesn't click today. And so God's sovereign choice was confirmed by his call to your life. You heard his word. The word of God convicted your heart and you responded. You came to him. And yet when you came, he says, you didn't choose me, I chose you. No big deal. No hang up. And so you read the sign over the door, it says, choose. Then you walk through it, look back, it says, I chose you. You took a double take, you look back, choose, I chose you. Okay. No big deal. God's sovereign call was clear. The disciples came out of who? The multitudes. Are you just in the multitudes? Do you just come Sunday after Sunday? And that's all you do. You go from home to the pew. 
Now, two or three weeks ago, somebody put a pew potato up here in the front as I was preaching. And I looked down there and I saw it. They gave it to me. I have it in my office. God has not called you out of the multitudes to be a pew potato. God has called you out of the multitudes, as we are going to see, with a purpose. He's called you to bear your cross, to deny yourself. But you know what's happening today in the church? The church in the professional Christian society is giving us too many alternatives besides the cross. So why should we bear a cross? We've got too many alternatives. Why pray? We can call someone on the phone. Why hang in there? We can give our load to someone else. Too many alternatives that appear to be under the name of, quote, quote, Jesus Christ, which is nothing but flesh. And is a detriment to the spiritual health of the community of God's redeemed today. But notice also that Jesus chose the twelve for a purpose. You may find it hard to believe, but God has not chosen you simply to keep you out of hell. Christianity is not fire insurance. It's far beyond that. Jesus has chosen you as he chose a 12 for a purpose. This is the why he has chosen us. Verses 14 and 15. Verse 14 says that he appointed the 12 that they might be with him. Stop and think about that for a minute. For companionship, for fellowship in a close and personal relationship. God chose you not out of a limited choice. God chose you not because you were so talented, but God chose you because he desires to have companionship and fellowship with you. Now, is God lonely? No. God doesn't need anything outside of himself. He is self-existing. As a matter of fact, in the book of Isaiah, after chapter 40, you always read, I am the only God. I've walked up and down this universe, never bumped into any other God. If you ever do, let me know. And then I'll ask him to tell me the things before they happen so when they happen, I can declare him God. No one's ever taken him up on it. He wants to hang out with you. He appointed them for fellowship. For the purpose of teaching them for a short time, to teach them the things of God that they had no knowledge about, to teach them about the age of grace which now had come, to teach them the priority of life, people, not things, to show them the perils of which men are walking in this life, even as Jonathan Edwards says, walking on icy poles over hell in a second they slip and they're eternally lost do you see humanity as that or have you forgotten that now you're going to heaven and you have forgotten how you felt the danger you were in when you were out there a time not only to be taught but a time to see the deeds that Jesus would perform but more important than those two, 
a time for them to see his life. He modeled it. He was a living epistle, and that's what Paul says he was to the Corinthians, and they to him. Living epistles. Pastor Xavier Reese, drawing the simple truths of Mark chapter 3, of a God who chose you even before you chose to follow him. Now, just before we close, let me mention that copies of today's Simple Truth study titled Choosing of the Twelve are available on CD for just $4. And this might be a study you'd like to pass on to someone in your church or Bible study when you're through. Now, once again, the title to ask for is Choosing of the Twelve, or just mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 